Jeremiah 17. Probably not as long as usual. (laughs) Jeremiah chapter 17. Let's pray for a moment. Father, I, I thank You for Johanna and Rachel's presence here. I thank You, Lord, that You orchestrated the opportunity for them to come and to share and to express their hearts, Lord, for Central Europe. I thank You for what is an opening of eyes here. And Lord, I pray that You will impress upon us what we are to do. How are we to respond as individuals within this fellowship, but also as a church fellowship? Lord, we are always looking for opportunity. Um, to be invested in your kingdom and in the things that matter to you, the things of your heart. And so thank you, Lord, for this. And show us how we are to respond. Father, we pray your blessing on the teaching of the word this morning and on this section from Jeremiah. Uh, Lord, I thank you. It's been so personally meaningful for me. I pray it will be for your people. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. The number one cause of physical death in the world today is still heart disease. It is also the number one cause of spiritual death. It is the reason why people come up short when it comes to a relationship with God. No matter how many Hallmark cards, boxes of chocolate or long-stemmed red roses, or heart-shaped pizzas are passed out every Valentine's Day, we cannot seem to reverse humanity's heart sickness. Now, here's the thing. Heart sickness doesn't just impact non-believers. The sickness of the heart is, is a human problem, whether someone's a follower of Jesus or not. And the question that often arises, and perhaps you've wondered this, I have, is how do I open my heart with godly love and affection without having it wounded? without having it anguished or broken by another person? How do I remain soft-hearted in such a hard-hearted world? As a pastor, I have personally learned that heart attacks are part of the deal. That people come after you. I, I know this. Now, I also realize that people don't just come after pastors loaded for bear. People come after people. It doesn't really matter who you are or what your profession is or what your line of work is. Eventually, someone's going to come after you. Someone's going to attack your heart. And the worst attacks are those that are unexpected, where you have opened your heart to a person and suddenly they come in firing. And how are you supposed to walk with the love and compassion of Jesus when these things happen? Last week I was asked by a fellow pastor how you deal with this stuff. How do you keep from getting bitter? The question to me was, Rick, how do you keep from getting bitter after 25 years of ministry? How have you kept from getting bitter? And my initial response is, wow, how does anyone? The thing is, if you put your heart into relationships, you're going to take some damage. And you're probably going to cause some. That's 
the nature of the messiness of human relationships. And you all know that. I'm not telling you anything that's not known by everyone here. But have you ever felt like maybe it would just be easier to shut it off? You know, to, to protect myself. Maybe it'd be easier just to kind of pull back, you know, remain superficial, and therefore protected. Problem is, if you shut off your heart, what happens? You die. You can't do that. And so we tend to live these lives as humans with the back and forth motion. We start to find someone we feel like we can trust and open up to until we get hurt. And then we pull back a bit until we find someone else we can open up to. And it's junior high relationships. We never seem to get out of it. That's why Jeremiah 17 is so incredibly important. To me, it is the consummate passage on the condition of the heart. God places this here for our instruction. It is critical for understanding, especially how we are to love in this world. The Lord revealed to Jeremiah the full nature of man. And gang, the full nature of man is not good. It's not indifferent. It is a heart of darkness. Look at verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. What is still remarkable to me is that in spite of all the biblical truth and teaching we receive on not trusting in flesh, people still do. We still make flesh our strength. We still believe in man or in the images of man. There's still a word for that in the Bible today, idolatry. And we're no better at it than Israel was. Regarding the person who trusts in mankind, the person who makes flesh his or her strength, who turns away his or her heart from the Lord, verse 6 goes on and says, He will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without an inhabitant. Hang on while I pull a Marco Rubio here. <laughs> Now you read this verse and you go, okay, wait, wait, wait. So the person who trusts in themselves, who makes flesh their strength, who turns away from the Lord, will be like a bush in the desert, will not see prosperity, will live like stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. You read that and you go, whoa, that's not what I see. What I see is people that are hard-hearted and God-denying, having bountiful lives, riches beyond compare, not living out in stony wastes, It's a lie. It is a lie. Their hearts are salted, stony wastes. Their hearts are void of the living water. And I would would much rather be impoverished with the joy of the Lord than rich with a heart of stone. For all the exterior frills and apparent successes without the Spirit of the living God, the heart just goes from hard to harder. And some might say, Rick, how can you make that judgment? I didn't. The Lord did. God says, you're just going to go from hard to harder. You're going to end up with a stony heart. You're going to end up with a salted, dry, desperate heart if you turn away from Him and you make flesh your strength. It's just that sometimes both blessings and curses take time. God's not in a hurry. And sometimes the person who has turned and given the Lord their heart it's going to be a while before you start to see the blessing of that, the long term of that. In the same way, someone who turns their heart away from God and decides to make flesh their strength, man, they may seem blessed for years. 
in both cases, blessing or cursing, it catches up with you. It always does. In clear contrast to verses 5 and 6, the Lord says this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Verse 7, And whose trust is the Lord. I like that. It's not just about trusting in God. It's that God is your trust. He is your faith. It's all there with Him. He will be like a tree planted by the water. Verse 8, that extends its root by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. It's almost a word-for-word repeat of the first psalm. Psalm 1, verse 2, speaking of the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither in whatever he does. He prospers. Now this is interesting to me. When you see two verses that similar and yet in two different places in the Bible, check out their differences and ask why. And there are slight differences here. In Jeremiah 17, God exchanges... Delight in the law from Psalm 1 with trusting in the Lord. That's the difference. The first psalm, trust in the Lord and you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water. In this one, delight. Or or delight in the law. And in this one, trust in the Lord. Why? Because learning to trust in the Lord depends upon the degree to which you delight in His Word. Delight in His Word and you develop trust in the Lord. And the more I delight in the, in the Word, the more I trust in the Lord. The more I deny His Word or turn away or set aside His Word. And by the way, Christians, don't do that. I know believers who say, you know, I'm kind of full of Bible study right now, so I'm going to get on to some other things. You know what starts to happen? Your faith starts to diminish. Stay in the Word. Delight in the Word and you will trust in the Lord. It's a a, a dynamic that He gives us. If you want to deepen your trust in Him, delight in His Word. Now when people say, I think you should trust your heart. You know, what does your heart tell you? I say, my heart doesn't have a clue. (laughs) Forget the heart. What does the Word of God tell you? And again, Christians, this is important. Because Christians will say, well, God told me. How do you know? Well, the Lord said I should... How do you know? Because I just feel it. Not good. Because the heart is more deceptive than all else and desperately sick, right? So how do you know? Does it align with His Word? Does it fit with His mission? Can we find support for it biblically? If so, probably the Lord's speaking. If it conflicts with His Word, it's not the Lord. It's a great tool that He's given us. You might say, well, Rick, don't you even trust in your own heart? Not in the least. Because with amazing godly insight, we get to look at the heart. I got to look at my own heart a couple of different times. Had echocardiograms, heart ultrasounds. It's amazing. I think I've shared about this before, but you lie on the table and and they do an ultrasound of the heart. And as they were doing this ultrasound of my heart, I'm looking over and the monitor's right there and the room was really dark. You know, and very, very quiet. And all I could hear was the ultrasonographer breathing. (laughs) And it was a little uncomfortable. And as I lay there, I look at the screen and I saw my heart. It was like, wow, that's it right there. Beaten, which was, you know, a good sign. (laughs) 
So I'm looking into this. And I can see this. And that's what God does in Jeremiah 17.9. He says, I want to open up your chest and I want to show you the heart. I want you to look very carefully at the heart. Verse 9, the heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? If we were to look at an ultrasound of the human heart the way God sees it, it wouldn't be beating. It would be barely alive. It would be dark with disease. It would be in very bad shape. God applies divine echocardiograms here in the clearest revelation of the heart in scriptures. And he just says two things to note this morning. The heart is deceitful. The heart is deceitful. The the Hebrew word is akob. And akob means crooked, insidious, slippery. What does that tell you? Don't trust it. In yourself or in anyone else, don't trust it. It is deceitful. It will mislead you. Now you're starting to sound a little closed off, Pastor Rick. (laughs) I thought this was supposed to be a teaching about how not to become bitter. Hey, listen. Even Jesus Himself in His time on the earth was guarded when it came to the human heart. In one of the most fascinating passages to me, John 2.23, it says when He was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in His name, observing the signs which He was doing. But Jesus on His part was not entrusting Himself to them. For he knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. Wow. You kind of have this wrong view, or I've had this wrong view in the past, of Jesus just open to everyone. Hey, come on. Hey, right on. Hey, be a part of it. He knew what was in man. He did not entrust himself to man. And yet, ironically, nobody loves like Jesus. Now that's an interesting contrast. He guards the heart and He loves amazingly. I'm driving in my car this last week and I was thinking about that contrast and I just I said out loud, I said, Lord, how do you do that? How do you protect the heart? How do you remain guarded against what you know to be the wiles of mankind and my own wiles? How do I guard my heart but love unconditionally, compassionately. I'll answer that in just a minute. Heart is more deceitful than all else. I don't think that we can learn to love the way Jesus loves until we get that. How deceitful the heart is. But there's one more issue here. It's not only the most deceitful thing, it's also desperately sick. And the word here in the Hebrew is anash. And anash, translated in the King James Version, is desperately wicked. In the American Standard Version, exceedingly corrupt. In the Jerusalem Bible, perverse or depraved. And all of those translations come up just a little bit short. The New American Standard Bible, as we read it here, says desperately sick and we're getting warmer. But to my mind, the Holman Christian Standard Bible nails the force of this word in its true Hebrew meaning. Anash means the heart is incurable. In Curable. Diseased without remedy. Sick beyond a cure. That's the true state of the natural man, the natural woman. That's why these students of Johannes and Rachel didn't think, though they were followers of Jesus, didn't think they had anything good to offer. Because the heart is incurably sick. It's really kind of depressing to think about this. 
And again, it makes you want to pull back. You hear this, it's deceitful and it's desperately sick. And I hear that and I say, Lord, that just makes me want to pull back from the whole crooked, crooked, incurable mass of humanity. I just want to stay back here and wait till you come. Lock the barn doors, Lord. <laughs> Problem is, we'd all be in here. <laughs> And if we did pull back from humanity, we'd be left alone to deal with our own messed up hearts. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) Now with that understanding, let's just answer the two basic questions together. How do we keep from bitterness? And is it possible to love like Jesus, even though we know the heart is deceitful and diseased? Here's the answer. If we are to love... In the fullest sense of the word, we must know the heart for what it is. We must know the heart for what it is. The Lord looked at this throbbing, beating mess, and He recognized it for what it was and said, I'm going in. He says in verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. What are you saying, Rick? I'm saying, if you start to have some pain physically, in your heart, it's bugging you, and you just ignore it. You say, no, no, my heart is good. My heart's good. You're not going to seek any kind of help. You're just going to wander through life. No, my heart's fine. It's, oh, man, that hurts. But I'm okay. I'm good. I did that. This was now four or five years ago, Hayden, when I had the first heart thing. And uh, I was sick. I'd had the flu. And late one afternoon, my heart just started hurting. My heart did. I'd never experienced my heart hurting. I mean, that's inside. I don't, the inside stuff, I just don't want to even think about, you know. And I'm sitting on the couch going, this just doesn't feel right. And I thought, well, I'll take some Advil. Took a couple of Advil. A couple hours later, it hurt more. And I'm sitting there going, oh, something's not right here. I just knew something's not right. And it got worse and worse and worse. And you know what? If I had stayed home and completely ignored it, I might not be sitting here. You cannot ignore the desperate sickness and the deceitfulness of the heart. If we ignore that, if we play it off and say, no, no, humanity's good, everyone's fine, it's all good, then guess what? We don't go in. I went in. Emergency room. I went in. The doctors went in to check out, see what's going on here, to make sure things are all right. The Lord says, I'm going in. He looks at He recognizes, He knows how messed up our hearts are, and because He knows that, He loves us so much. That he searches the heart. He enters in. By the way, he says, I test the mind, I I search the heart, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. That word results is fruit. Same word that's used up in verse 8, that a man who trusts in the Lord will not cease to yield fruit. Here's the connection, gang. God's looking for fruit, but you're not going to bear fruit unless you trust the Lord. Your heart's not capable of bearing good fruit. But if you trust in the Lord, He searches the heart, He saves, He cleanses, He heals the heart, and He makes us capable of what we are not capable of on our own. If you want a tender heart bearing fruit rather than a hard, salted, stony heart, trust in the Lord. Psalm 139, verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. And that is, man, that's an open thing to say to the Lord. I want you to find everything that's wrong with me, Lord. I want you to search every aspect of my heart. Find the disease. 
search out the deceit. Get in there and heal me, Lord. David said, try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me. David's saying, hurtful way in me, that is any way in me that will hurt other people. I'm not even looking at other hearts right now. I'm just looking right here and saying, Lord, this has got to be healed because there's, there's damage that will take place because I'm damaged. See if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. And by the way, I think that's the most healing prayer you can pray. Search my heart, Lord. You want to be healed of physical disease? You start saying, Lord, search my heart. Heal my heart. You want to be healed of emotional issues? Start with the heart. Lord, search my heart. Heal my heart. Want to be healed of spiritual problems? Search my heart, Lord. Now listen, God searches the heart, He tests the minds, but not for His own sake. He already knows what's there, right? He searches and tests for our sake. He brings to light what the problems are. We're lying on the table, we're looking at the echocardiogram, and we're seeing with our own eyes, as He raises it before us, we see how deceitful, we see how diseased the heart is. We look at that, we say, oh, I get it. And when it becomes clear to us, what desperate straits we are in, Jesus comes to earth and He dies on the cross for us. Now you understand why I needed to do this. If we can't recognize how diseased and deceitful we are without Him, we'll never think we need Him. And so God brings this to the surface and Romans 5-6 tells us, for while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5.8 says God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, think about this practically. How do we love in such a heart-sick world without becoming bitter? How did Jesus do it? How did Jesus come into the world, betrayed, die on the cross, and yet come out of the grave free of all bitterness? How did He do that? He knew what was in man. He Himself knew what was in man. He knew our desperately sick situation. And I believe that's the key to deep compassion. I believe that's the key to compassionate kingdom work. When we finally recognize we all suffer from the same desperate disease of sin, the compassion of Christ floods the chambers of our heart. It is only recognizing in how deceitful and deceptive the world is that we can be led by compassion to flood into the world. To care about the world. Because if the world's all good, why would we waste our time? If people are okay, why would we bring them the Gospel? If everything's just copacetic, why would we enter in with the message of grace? How do I remain free from bitter bitterness uh, as a pastor? I don't expect people to be good. I love y'all. Don't, don't get me wrong. I don't sit up here going, they just are rotten, stinking, <laughs> diseased people. Liars, everyone. You know, no. It's that we recognize in ourselves and in everyone else that there's not goodness there except for Jesus. When I see good in you, it's Jesus in you. If you see good in me, it's Jesus in me. If you see something bad, it's me. I own that. That's all Rick. But as Jesus changes my heart, I begin to love the way He loves. 
knowing what humanity is like. 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. What does that mean? It means I choose to live for him. I just, he's, he's why I live. It's not my job. It's not even my family. It's not what I can gain in this world. And it's not fighting against what I might lose. I live for Christ. Period. And it means that no matter what people do to me or against me, I know He loves me. You can trash me all you want. My daddy loves me. So I'm good. Do you have a heart wound? Are you in a place where you don't know how to overcome perhaps some emotional pain that you're feeling or dealing with? Or a sense of your own lack of worth or value? Is there bitterness seeping in, stealing your joy? Is your heart getting hard? Jesus knows what's in you and listen, and He loves you. I've said before, He doesn't love us in spite of our sin. He loves us in light of our sin. He brings it to light and He says, Now, now do you get how much I really love you? That is the healing I believe for hardened hearts and bitter hearts. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. There is nothing like the blood of Christ to heal all wounds. And that's what we need. To wash away all bitterness, to even soften a hardened heart. Jeremiah 29.13, the Lord says, You will seek Me and you will find Me when you search for Me with all your heart. So my question to you this morning, whether you consider yourself a believer or not, is will you let Jesus in to your heart? Will you open it up to Him? I want to ask our shepherds to go ahead and go to the back or come up to the front. You all just stay seated for a moment.